Welcome to Your Love Ministries, where this is a Holy Spirit-led podcast. Good day to you. My name is Claire Carter, and I'm your host on this journey of becoming a disciple of Christ. The Lord had placed on my heart to share the message and lesson this morning, getting ready for the resurrection power. So let's go to the Father in prayer. Heavenly, glorious Father, wondrous, wonderful Father, we want to thank you for this day. We want to say hallelujah, which is the highest praise and glorify you. We want to thank you for your blessed son, Jesus, and his blood, his perfect blood, his precious blood, his salvation blood, his eternal love and blood. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being our comforter, guide, leader, that you're guiding and leading us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Fill us up with you on this day. Holy Spirit, have your way on this podcast in our vessels minds and hearts. Father God, for those listeners, allow them to feel you on this day. Allow as they're listening to this word that it penetrates their heart, penetrates their minds and vessels to want to live a life unto righteousness of you. We thank you for this opportunity on this day to receive this word. We thank you for this opportunity on this day to give our life to you, Christ. We thank you that we have the opportunity that it is by a free will that we will worship you and honor and glorify you because you are worthy to be praised in your glorious and precious name, Jesus, Yeshua. Amen, amen, amen. So one week before Jesus's crucifixion, he was being prepared. He was getting ready. We will look at the week and go over what took place at the time of the crucifixion, up to the time of the crucifixion of Christ. We too should be getting prepared and ready for this resurrection. Remember, Jesus is not dead. He is risen and is at the right hand of the Father. So during the, the ministry of Jesus, he taught parables to the people to explain the righteous way to live and the coming of the kingdom of God. We can read through Matthew chapters 5 through 25, Mark chapters 2 through 13, and Luke chapters 10 through 18. Once again, that's Matthew chapter 5 through 25, Mark chapters 2 through 13, and Luke chapters 18, excuse me, 10 through 18. In your time, please take the time to read through of these parables that Jesus, these stories that Jesus had told us so that way we would understand and can comprehend about the kingdom of God and how to live a life for Christ. So we're going to actually read together today in Matthew chapter 26, verses 6 through 13. And it reads, I'm reading, um, meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume and poured it over his head. The disciples were indignant, which meant feeling or showing annoyance or anger, when they saw this. What a waste, they said. It could have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, replied, Why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. She has poured this perfume on me to prepare my body for burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached about the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. This showed the significance of kingship, because in the Old Testament, we can see that kings were anointed and they had oil poured over them as a significance, as a showing of their kingship. And so with this woman 
pouring the oil, this perfumed oil over Jesus, it was showing the significance of his kingship, of him being anointed as king, as our Messiah, the anointed one. So we can look here too, um, in the burial of Hebrews, um, just, I did a little research. It was actually a Jewish encyclopedia. And so what took place during that time is that they would take oils to prepare the bodies. Uh, they would take them off the cross. Um, and they would actually, they, they put spices. They did not do the embalming of the bodies, but what they did do is they put spices and aromatic ointments on the dead bodies in order to help remove unpleasant odors. Um, in fact, after Jesus died, a man named Joseph, according to the Bible, he requested permission to prepare Jesus's body. But what was taking place is as he's still alive, as he's still um, walking through the towns and, and getting prepared for this time of crucifixion that he knew that was going to take place. And he was expressing it to the disciples, which they were not truly understanding what was going to take place or what truly was actually going to happen. And so Jesus is trying to alert them, warn them, let them know what this woman is doing is preparing him for his burial. So she was blessing him and he received that so to god be the glory for her so next what takes place is jesus rode on a donkey into jerusalem known as a triumphal entry filling the prophecy from zechariah 9 verse 9. it says rejoice o people of zion shout in triumph o people of jerusalem look your king is coming to you he is righteous and victorious yet he is humble riding on a donkey and so what Jesus did was have a triumphal entry into Jerusalem, sitting on a donkey, fulfilling the Old Testament in Zechariah, where it states that this was going to take place. Place, excuse me. So the people praised him despite his humble entrance. This entry into Jerusalem signified the beginning of the end. Jesus visited the temple and then returned to Bethany. It was Nisan 10 when the Passover lambs were selected. Jesus's entry into Jerusalem on this day was how he presented himself as Israel's Paschal lamb. We can see in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 19 it says, "But with the precious blood of Christ, as the lamb without blemish and without spot, who would soon take away the sins of the world." So I know I'm just going on here. I'm excited. I'm reading through. I just want to make sure you all are, are understanding this, grasping this. So with Jesus entering in, what was taking place is that the people of Israel, what they would do during Passover time is choose a lamb. They would choose a lamb without a spot, without a blemish to represent their sacrificial lamb that they would sacrifice for Passover. And so what was taking place is that Jesus was coming in, entering in as that sacrificial lamb for our lives. He was coming in as that lamb without a blemish, without a spot who would take away the sins of the world. So this was a significance and representation of what is 
what was taking place in the Old Testament and what is taking place now. So they prepared for the Passover time and they would choose their lambs, okay? They would bring in their lambs, choose this lamb, uh, take care of this lamb. The lamb went through different little processes. And so that's what was taking place with Jesus. So then on the way um, from Bethany, um, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a house of thieves. And so what was taking place is as Jesus was coming through, he noticed that people were selling at the temple, at the at the place where they are were to sacrifice these precious lambs, the temple where their sins would be washed away by the blood of these lambs, of these doves, pigeons. And so what they did, these people, instead of, um, they were selling sacrifices, they were selling doves, they were selling pigeons, sheep, goats, bullock, grain. What the Lord required was for the people to sacrifice of their own, not to just purchase somebody else's and give their a sacrifice from what they purchased, it actually had to come from them. So Jesus was very upset because they were exchanging monies, foreign monies. They were selling um, sacrificed animals to the people. So Jesus was, was very upset about what was taking place here. And so he let them know, you know, hey, this is supposed to be a house of prayer and you're turning it into a den of thieves. So now along the journey of Jesus, um, he cursed a fig tree. He warned the consequences of spiritual fruitlessness. So what happened here, we're looking at Matthew chapter 21, verse 18 now. And it says, In the morning as Jesus was returning to Jerusalem, he was hungry and noticed a fig tree beside the road. He went over to see if there were any figs, but there were only leaves. Then he said to it, May you never bear fruit again. And immediately the fig tree withered up. The disciples were amazed when they saw this and asked, how did the fig tree wither so quickly? Then Jesus told them, I tell you the truth, if you have faith and don't doubt, you can do things like this and much more. You can even say to the mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. You can pray for anything and if you have faith, you will receive it. So what was happening here, Jesus is trying to alert his uh, disciples to number one, have strong faith, faith and believe. I have a, a painting on my wall and it says faith is not believing God can, it's knowing that he will. It's not just to say, oh, okay, yeah, uh, because we, we believe, right? I, I believe I'm a Christian. Uh, I'm Christ-like. I believe. But do you know? You can say you believe it because you've heard it, but, but do you actually know that he is going to pull that sickness out of your body do you know that he can cast out those demons do you know that he can give you life and joy and peace do you know these things so jesus is alerting the disciples of these things hey you can pray for anything and if you have faith you will receive it also he's making them aware of recognizing false prophets okay recognizing false prophets because you can dress in your sunday's best you can look hair, nails done, got a nice shave. You can smell good wearing great cologne. You can present yourself 
right? And that, that's what this fig tree was doing. The fig tree presented itself. It looked like it was blooming with figs. It looked like it presented itself as though it was bearing fruit. And when Jesus came to it, he seen that there were only leaves there. So he's telling his disciples, he's telling us, be mindful just because something looks good, just because something has the appearance of, does not mean that it is what it truly should be or that it truly is what it is presenting itself as. So we want to be so mindful of false prophets. That's why he says bearing of fruit. When you claim to be Christ-like, that is not just a, a Sunday position. That is not just a Saturday position or a Wednesday position. Whenever you attend services, it is not for only that time. When you claim yourself to be Christ-like, that is a 24-7. I know I've said it numerous times before, but it's the truth. It is the truth that we should not put a facade on. We should not put a show on that we look good on the outside, but we're damaged on the inside. That we put the smile on our face, which is truly a mask that we're wearing, that we're presenting ourselves as we, as though we have the love of Christ, but inside is it's empty. Inside it's dark. Inside there needs to be deliverance. Okay? So the Lord is telling them, be mindful. Watch out. If they're not bearing fruit, if they're not on a 24-7 basis, showing joy, peace, love, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness. We've gone through these. These are the fruits of the Spirit. If a person is not bearing the fruits of the Spirit, if the person is angry, if the person conducts an attitude consistently, if the person is not approachable, if the person... Uh, presses or pushes you away if the person there are so many things that should be signs to say wait they're not being christ-like because christ is loving christ is kind christ is patient christ is full of joy if you have someone with their lip poked out 24 7 but they throw a smile on their face like all is good and golden when uh they come around people or they attend a service you need to be mindful of these things. If you are Christ-like, that means you live your life out for Christ. And it is a daily, hourly, moment type life. Not to say that you're not going to have hardships. You know, our saying here with Your Love Ministries, the walk for Christ is not for the weak, but for the warrior. Amen. Okay, so now uh, some of the religious leaders began to plot ways to kill Jesus. So on that evening, Jesus left Jerusalem. He returned to Bethany. As the days leading up to his crucifixion and the Passover drew near, Jesus reminded his followers and the world that the way of faith looks different than the way of the world. Jesus, than the way of the world. Jesus went up to the Mount of Olives and he taught in parables and spoke about the signs of the end of the age. He told of destruction, wars and persecutions to come but also shared the hope of his return and that's what we're all living in these days this he he was telling of the destruction that is taking place here now in this time these wars that are taking place right here right now persecution but he also shared about the return of him his return so in matthew chapter 24 verse 3 Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us when will all this happen? What sign will signal your return 
and the end of the world. Jesus told them, do not let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name, claiming that I am the Messiah. They will deceive many, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars. Don't panic. These things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. So Jesus is letting them know in regards to the false prophets, in regards to the things that are coming to pass, just like us right here, right now, the wars, the the nations against nations, uh, the famines and the earthquakes, all these things are currently taking place. And so what we need to get ourselves prepared. No one knows the day nor time nor hour, not even Jesus, only God the Father himself. So also on that day, Jesus told the disciples that he would be crucified at the time of the Passover. Accordingly, Judas planned the betrayal of Jesus with the religious leaders. The tension was rising and Jesus knew, yet he continued to teach and serve. And Matthew, we're, we're jumping back now to Matthew chapter 26, moving to verse 14. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12 disciples, went to the leading priest and asked, How much will you pay me to betray Jesus to you? Excuse me. And they gave him 30 pieces of silver. From that time on, Judas began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. Okay? So this was somebody that walked very closely with Christ. He walked with him daily. He ate with him. Um, they all slept in the same area. They, they spoke to each other. They knew each other. They knew each other's families. They're, they were like family themselves. And Judas betrayed him. So we're getting closer. Jesus and his disciples prepared the Passover lamb. So together and on the first day of the festival of unleavened bread matthew 26 17 the disciples came to jesus and asked where do you want us to prepare the passover meal for you as you go into the city he told them you will see a certain man tell him the teacher says my time has come and i will eat the passover meal with my disciples at your house so the disciples did as jesus told them and prepared the passover meal there when it was evening jesus sat down at the table and the twelve while they were eating he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. Greatly distressed, each one asked in turn, am I the one, Lord? He replied, one of you who has just eaten from this bowl will betray me. So as Jesus is eating and supping with them, he, he's recognizing it. He's pointing out, hey, one of y'all are going to betray me. One of y'all are going to come against me. So Jesus said, to Judas Iscariot, go do what you have to do. I'm paraphrasing here. Next, what happens is Judas is out of the picture. He's going to betray Jesus. And now he's sitting, Jesus is sitting there with the 11 disciples. And what he's doing now, Jesus took bread and he blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, take this and eat it for it's my body. And he took the cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, each of you drink from it. This is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. I will not drink this wine again until the day I drink a new wine with you in my father's kingdom. Then they sang a sin and went out to the Mount of Olives. So Jesus, this is the point where he does communion with them. He does communion. He, he breaks the bread, he drinks, uh, he has them drink the wine to show 
to do this in remembrance of Jesus's return, of the coming of Jesus, his return, to know that in doing this, we're supping with him and doing this, we're communing with him. So Jesus shared heartfelt words with them and interceded on their behalf. After the meal, they arrived at the Garden of Gethsemane. Okay, so now during this time, during the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is crying out, excuse me, and he says, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And so this is Matthew chapter 26, verse 38. And he says here, stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little further and bowed his head on the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will be to be done, not mine. And so Jesus is crying out to the father. He's, he's crying out saying, knowing what is about to take place, knowing that it's about to be the end of his life here on this earth. And he's crying out to the father, father, please, if there's any other way to take, take place of this, if there's any other way to accomplish this, please, Lord. But what does Jesus then say? It's not my will, but thy will. And so he's surrendering unto the father. So What happened next here is later that night, Jesus was betrayed and arrested. You can read that in Matthew chapter 26, verse 47 through 56. He was tried by Ananias, then Sapphias, and other religious leaders. Jesus was humiliated, degraded, and made into a laughing stock just before he experienced the worst pain imaginable on the cross, separation from God. For Jesus, being on that cross, being separated from God is the worst imaginable pain. He was whipped, beaten, body was scourged, spit on, mocked, humiliated, crown of thorns on his head, cutting and digging into him. But the worst pain to feel was the pain of the separation from God. This had to take place. This had to take place. So early Friday in the morning, Uh, Jesus was tried by Sanhedrin, Pilate, Herod, Antipas, and then Pilate again. We can read in Matthew chapter 27 through 11 through 26, he was tortured and beaten. He was led to the cross at 9 a.m., died at 3 p.m., and was buried later that day. The sky went dark and the temple curtain was torn in two. Jesus died at the time when the Passover lambs were being sacrificed fulfilling the Hebrew scriptures. He endured the weight of all humanity's sins, the weight of cruelty, the weight of separation from God. Saturday, Jesus's body was in the tomb during the Sabbath and the Pharisees employed Roman guards to keep watch over the tomb. On Sunday, Jesus was resurrected from the grave. Hallelujah. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb only to find that Jesus was not there. An angel told them that he had risen. You can find that in Matthew 28. Early on Sunday morning as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone and sat on it. His face shone like lightning and his clothing was white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him and fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women, don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Hallelujah. Just as he said would happen. Come, 
see where his body was lying and now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I've told you. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. As they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said, Don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. Wow. Wow. Look at all these beautiful things. Look at all these things that had to be set in place. The ministry of Jesus. The ministry of Jesus for him to walk and teach and heal and cast out demons and sickness and share his love. And he did all these things and, and encouraged people to give their life to God. He, he set the example of how we are to be with God, our father, on how we are to pray, how we are to live, how we are to love, how we are to do the things that Jesus did here on this earth. To God be the glory. He had these joyous times. He worked hard. He shared with his disciples. He loved his disciples, yet one betrayed him. He taught them so many different things for them to be prepared for. He was our sacrificial lamb as though in the Old Testament, how they prepared by placing the blood on the door so, so the death angel would pass them by. And so our Passover lamb, Jesus, our lamb without a blemish, Jesus, our lamb that has the eternal blood, Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, the Christ, Christ Jesus. And he told them what was going to take place and all things came to pass. The fulfillment of the Old Testament came to pass. The prophecy was fulfilled from the Old Testament. And Jesus loved us so much that he just in the Garden of Gethsemane didn't throw his hands up and say, forget about it, Father. I don't want to do this. They're not worth it. They're sinners. He didn't do that. He said, Father, if there's any way this can be taken cup, this cup can be taken from me. This suffering can be taken from me. He said, but not my will, but your will. So he surrendered into the Father as we should be daily surrendering to the Father, that he knows what's best for us and the will for our life that he holds, he beholds for us is the best. And look what took place is that his beloved son Jesus died on the cross as we were sinners. Why? To give us eternal life. Remember, Jesus is not dead. He has risen and is at the right hand of the Father. Let's make sure that we are preparing our hearts, our minds and vessels just as Jesus, as he did to receive the resurrection power. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word on this day, this word that shows us the preparation that took place up until the time that you took your last breath, up until the time that you were beaten and mocked and spit on and body scourged and hands nailed and feet nailed to the cross for us. We say thank you on this day for being the sacrifice. Thank you on this day for your blood that was shed so we could be free. Your blood that is shed for us to have and receive eternal life. We say thank you, Jesus. We say thank you, Jesus, that you love us that much, that you laid down your life for us. Thank you, Jesus. 
You are worthy. You are worthy to be praised. Thank you, Jesus, that we no longer can be captive to death, that we are no longer captive to sin that we are no longer captive to strongholds. We're no longer captive to illnesses, mental or physical, that by your blood we are set free because there is freedom in you, Christ. Thank you. Lord, we love you and praise you and honor you. You're worthy to be praised. So worthy, worthy are you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Bless every listener on this day. Bless them, Lord, so they see and know you, Father, for themselves. To know your love, Lord. Jesus, your precious blood and love. Jesus, allow them to open their hearts on this day to receive you in your glorious and precious name. Amen. Amen. If there's one of you that have not given your life to Christ, today is a great day to do so. And how do I do that, you say, is you open up your heart and you say, Jesus, I want to receive you into my life. I want to receive you into my heart. And it tells us in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, that he died on the cross and God raised him from the dead on the third day, thou art saved. You are saved. And if you decided to do that today, to God be the glory, because the angels in heaven are rejoicing with us. To God be the glory. So what does that mean? Today, you pour out, confess to Christ all that you have done, all the sins you have done. Repent. Give your life to him and let him clean you out and fill you with the fruits of his spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. It doesn't end there. Then daily you want to pray. Daily read the word of God so your relationship will grow. In Jesus' name, congratulations if that is the step you took today. Please email us, reach out to us. We would love to help continue and strengthen you in your relationship with Christ. You are Love Ministries at yahoo.com. Thank you so much for joining us. And remember, until next time, you are loved.